Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, writer and podcaster, creator of The Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama and have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Solar Postal Services. Written by Cornell student Emily Grigg, Solar Postal Services is, quote, a new queer sci-fi podcast featuring space pirates, male crimes, a lost planet, the rave district of the moon, and an ill-advised prank war. The story revolves around a group of mail carriers on a spaceship who pass the time working on the ship, hanging out, and occasionally opening other people's mail. With an ensemble cast, Grigg also plays the role of Jam, the non-binary ship's engineer, who records many of the crew's interactions with an audio recorder they carry. What starts off as silly turns more dramatic, with hints of a deeper storyline coming out as Jam interacts with the crew and reads some of the letters they are carrying. The first episode of Solar Postal Services, called An Upgrade, introduces us to Jam as they try to configure their new recorder. A second episode, Love's Letters Lost, has Jam reading a letter from a woman to her mother about finding love, literally, among the stars. A brief warning, there is a little coarse language in this episode. I spoke to Emily via Zoom. The name of the show, of course, is the first episode of, but in fairness, uh, your first episode is like eight minutes long. Um, <laughs> so I went ahead and listened to the second one as well, Love's Letters Lost. I think we can have a discussion about both of those as we go forward. So first of all, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your audio drama in your own words. All right. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Emily Grigg. I am 22 years old. I am in my last year of my bachelor's in computer science and government at Cornell University. I don't really get the chance to be creative a lot. One of my most recent computer science assignments explicitly said not to be creative, um, which, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of disheartening to read. But I have always been a writer in one way or another, and I got really into uh, fiction podcasts during the pandemic, and I thought, I can do that. Solar Postal Services is a lot of things. It's going to be a drama. Right now, it's also a comedy. I hope to weave those two together effortlessly. What I want is to create comfort material, if that makes sense. I want to make a podcast that's nice to listen to and that you can come back to on a rainy day. It's science fiction. It's about a crew of male people as they go through and deliver packages to different planets in the solar system. It takes place in the 25th century. It has a lot to do with found family and how you can find people in your life and make them important to you. It's also about not understanding that it's illegal to open other people's packages. <laughs> you know, I, I was listening to uh, Love Letters <laughs> Lost, and that was one of the first things I was like, wait, is she reading someone's mail? What, how does she do that? Yeah. No, I get that. I actually think that's an interesting conceit because it's a great way for us to discover people's secret lives, you know, is things that we don't normally get to know about each other. It's just what, what do they think about and what do they feel? So. Well, tell me, you said that you got into audio drama um, recently and, and started doing this. What got you into it and what got you into science fiction and that kind of stuff? Um, well, I've always loved science fiction. That's my favorite genre, speculative fiction in general. I'm not that much of a fantasy person, but I like the idea of being able to explore different what-if questions in a safe setting. 
I was studying abroad in spring 2020. I was in a country that was unfamiliar to me. I was in Denmark um, and I started listening to Welcome to Night Vale as a lot of people do, as a sort of way to feel a little bit more at home. And then when I was removed from Denmark a few months later because of the pandemic, I still kind of held on to that audio drama. So I started with a bunch of others and it was something to do when I didn't really have anything else to do because all of my classes, because they were online and also in Denmark, were at 2 a.m. So I had a lot of free time during the day. So I, I would just take my dog for walks and listen to podcasts. And that sort of embedded itself into my life of what I what I love to do and what I love to listen to. And the thing you sort of know about having a passion is first you you consume everything about it and then you think other people want this too and I should make more for the people like me who want to read or listen or watch. Do you have ambitions for solar postal services? Why are you doing this? Uh, mostly I just wanted to tell a story. Uh, if it ends up becoming more popular, that would be fantastic, but that's not my goal. I just wanted to put something out into the world because I, I tend to start a lot of projects and not finish them. And I thought if I can just do this one thing, then I can have something to be proud of. But my main goal isn't to have a huge audience or make money or anything like that. Like if those things happen, that would be nice. But my main goal is just to have a creative outlet and to share it with other people. You have sort of branded yourself as a queer podcast. Yes. So what, I mean, obviously we, we know what that word means in terms of LGBTQ plus community and things like that. What does it mean to you in terms of your aims and goals with this particular project? Yeah. So for me, like I consume a lot of media and I have a specific type of things that I really love. But a lot of times it's kind of a disconnect for me that I have, like I'm watching one of my favorite shows is New Girl, for example. And there, I think, is one queer character in that entire show. Um, and it's like, I, I love the kind of vibes of that show, but I don't have sort of a way to connect to it. So I'm thinking, well, I can make a show where I, you are certain that there are going to be other queer characters in it. And you're certain that those stories are going to be those that are told. And then you can kind of sit back and enjoy the science fiction or the silly uh, post office sitcom vibes, while also knowing that you'll be represented uh, by the main character, Jam, is non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And all of the other characters are some flavor of queer. And this was modeled a lot after the Penumbra podcast. And they also explicitly tell queer stories. I think their, their motto is something along the lines of uh, making sure you see yourself represented in stories, which really resonated with me. There are queer stories, but a lot of them are tragic or are kind of stuck in this one genre. Like, well, I would also like a queer story to be science fiction. And I think that's pretty popular in fiction podcasts nowadays because with indie audio dramas, you don't have to get approval from a big board of producers or executives so you can just kind of tell the stories you want to and don't have to worry about being told not to represent certain characters. Well, you know, that's true because unless you're someone like Night Vale or you get into one of the syndicated things, there's there's not a lot of money in it. Mm -hmm. And so when there's not a lot of money, there's not a lot of, I think a lot of the pressure that comes from industry is, you know, write stories that the audience is going to mostly identify with and, you know, that the mainstream is going to identify with. And so I think also that audio drama has, it can, has a potentially very easy buy-in. People who have an idea and a microphone can get into this, which means that stories that normally get sort of pushed out to the margins that don't get a chance to get told have a medium. Uh, I think this is a good area for people who have marginalized voices to find a way to, to share and to talk. So I have another question I want to ask here, which is when you check your microphone, do you normally say titties ass, titties ass? <laughs> 
Okay, um, testing. Banana bread. One, two, three. Titties. Ass. Titties. Ass. Okay, um, testing. Banana bread. Okay, cool. It works. In case you're wondering why there's been radio silence for the past week, my previous audio rec took a little tumble into space. In my defense, I forgot I put it down next to the garbage chute. I had to wait a couple days until we docked on Mercury before I could replace it, obviously, so it's been a few days. No, no, I don't. Usually I just do the snap. Um, <laughs> but maybe I should. Maybe I should start doing that. Add a little spice. Yeah, I, I thought that was amusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Thank you. I thought I... I wanted the first words of the podcast to be something really ridiculous. I think there was actually like one line before that, but it was originally like the very first opening line of the podcast. And I was like, I, wa I want to be clear, this is a goofy show. Tell me about what you were attempting to do with an upgrade. And then we can also then talk about Love's Letters Lost. Um, but introducing the show a little bit and having some silliness there, what else were you trying to accomplish? That is a great question. An upgrade is, first of all, an introduction to the three main characters of the first season, which is uh, J.M. Darnell, the mechanic of the ship, Quill Shoka, who is the translator and the logistics manager, and Captain Hubble, who is the pilot. Herb? Or was it the verb around the... Jam? Yes, sir? Could you check out the hatches in the cargo bay? Sure. What am I looking for? They were left open after we picked up the last shipment, and I, I just wanted to make sure that there's nothing wrong with them. Also, please don't call me, sir. Right away, s Uh, Captain? That's not much. Um, right, right, uh, thank you. Hubble, out. So those three characters are all introduced in their own ways, and we get to see a little bit of their flavor. I also just wanted an excuse to build a soundscape because I love doing that. So you'll see in the first 30 seconds or so after the song, which was composed by my dear friend and former roommate, you kind of get a little bit of the spaceport. We're listening to the Foley. Uh, we're, we're listening to sort of the announcements and getting a little bit of flavor of the world before narrowing in on this specific world of the ship. So that was sort of my main goal. Yeah, I, painting a picture, so to speak. It's not quite an inciting incident, but it does have a reason for recording, which is popular in a lot of podcasts, is like, oh, I'm recording this for one particular reason. And that was one of the first ideas in the building of the show, was to have the audio recorder going for a specific reason. Well, I mean, I, you know, for example, in Love's Letters, there's no specific reference to the, the recording of the event necessarily, mm -hmm. but it's an excuse for you to read this letter that GM uncovers. So it's the frame. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love seeing what other podcasts do with that as well, because people can get really creative with it. And it's pretty neat to see everyone's ideas. Finding a framing device, I think, is is really important. Once you sort of establish that in your listener's mind, then they'll kind of go along with you on whatever story you want to tell. Yeah, I and I think it's sort of going into Love's Letters Lost, it's sort of mixed media in that way, because it is the audio recording and you hear like the click of it going to establish it's an audio recording, but you also hear some sound effects that Jam isn't hearing, like the the waves going or the clicking of the, the Morse code. I have introduced the frame of the audio rec, but it's not constraining in a way that frames often are. Although I will say that there is a reason that we can hear it, but that comes later. Oh, okay. Excellent. Spoilers for you. <laughs> <laughs>
let's talk a little bit about Love's Letters Lost. It kind of surprised me a little bit, honestly, because after listening to an upgrade, I kind of was expecting to be, you know, the kind of little jokey conversation between the crew kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you write this really quite lovely letter. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, um, there's some lovely poetic images in there. Like, for example, the letter writer is receiving messages from across the cosmos um, in light on the in the background. And you say that she kept on watching the, the stars write poetry for her. It felt like the sky was opening up to me when I converted that first set of flashes into words. It was unexpected. It was poetry. <laughs> No, I mean it was literally poetry. It was verses about water and sky and stars, rhyming couplets and long free verse poems. And it was a lot of things, but mostly it was unexpected. So for weeks, I just watched. Not all day, but every day. I watched as the stars wrote poetry for me. And I just took it in. I thought that was a really lovely image. Is this a conceit that pops up a lot in the uh, the rest of the podcast? Um, we Are we going to get episodes where there's reading a letter? Yes. In fact, the next episode is going to be another letter episode. I, I kind of have divided the episodes into two categories in my mind of there's the plot episodes and then there's little side quests where we get to read some mail and do a little world building. The next one coming out will be a letter about ballroom dance in the cosmos. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Okay, so tell me this letter about two women finding each other despite the vastness of space, just by looking and up at the stars. Where did this come from for you? It was my roommate had, as a joke, said, you should write a letter where somebody wants to be amorous with a planet, which was also the also the inspiration for the song, I'm Gonna Fuck the Moon. But I was like, well, what can I do with that? Like, I don't, and I thought, well... What if it starts out with she thinks it's a planet, but it's actually a woman? And then thinking about, well, how would that work? How would you communicate with a planet? And then it's like, well, we do have ways to communicate across. I don't actually know how feasible it would be for to do a laser pointer across space. I think I kind of took a little poetic license with that. But what if kind of the idea of long distance and making it romantic and that you can only communicate in a certain way. And then when you finally meet, it's it's so sweet. I was thinking about the way they talk to each other, um, communicate with each other. You go out of your way. It, it's it's subtle, but you pick up on it that the, the letter writer is deaf or hard of hearing. Yes. I, I think you intended that to sort of play into the fact that they communicate with light. And I think that's a really interesting way. It's not only showing some inclusiveness, representing people that don't often get represented, but I think it's a really interesting take on finding love in a unusual way. Again, not a mainstream kind of way. I also really like that for the letter writer, she lives a life that everything is the same and it's always predictable mm-hmm. and the love surprises her. She says it's unexpected. Yeah. And I wonder if you see that as, as love itself is surprising or is it these particular women that, that are surprised by love? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of the above. You absolutely hit the nail on the head with that. On one sense, it's the people that we come to love in our life. They don't come in a way that we would expect. People come onto you surprisingly and in ways that you don't expect. And I wanted to sort of reflect that in in this letter of love. You don't see it coming uh, and especially not uh, coming from a weird flashing light signal in space. Whatever mystery was unfolding there, 
it's a romance and a mystery is the way I've sort of framed it here. We're, we're unraveling the mystery of what the lights are in the same way that you kind of unravel a person when you get to know them. Like you know a little bit at first and then there's a little bit of suspense and some questions that we don't have the answer to. And then as you get more comfortable with someone, you sort of have the answers. And it's so wonderful to know somebody so closely in the way that it's wonderful to finally know the answer to a mystery. That's great. You talked about science fiction giving you the freedom to uh, explore what if questions or, or unusual things. And, and yes, mm -hmm. I think I think only the most pedantic people will go, well, technically it would take them however many light years it takes to, <laughs> to communicate. Um, yeah. But I love this idea of an asteroid that's covered in waves and ocean. It's a great image. And I, again, I think there's some pedantic people that might say, well, you know, not enough gravity. But on the other mm -hmm. hand, you know, it's a science fiction. Uh, we can find reasons for things. And it's a great to, to create an image that has resonance and also expands the imagination and what if. The idea of a, some a far off asteroid that is covered with water and has a lighthouse on it. I don't know. I find that rather compelling. Ah, thank you. Yeah, I I wanted to focus. I didn't want to get all technical into the details. I, I started to do that. Like you'll notice all of the planets and asteroids and what have you I reference are, they do exist, but obviously it's not drenched in waves. I didn't want to focus so much on the details. I wanted to create more of a fantasy science fiction blend. And I, I'm glad that it has been received that way because that was certainly my intention. Right. No, I mean, I'm a fan of hard sci-fi, like, you know, as much as anyone else can be. But I also understand that the style needs to fit the story. For those that maybe are interested in getting into podcasting, first of all, what is your process? Uh, how do you go about writing episodes? There's a lot of different ways people do it, and I don't know if mine is the most typical. I have written out the entire show plot-wise. I know everything that's going to happen from now until the end. Um, so I started out with that, um, just because my favorite thing in fiction is foreshadowing and building suspense. And I wanted to be able to do that because I find that that makes a show very re-listenable when you can get something out of it the second time you listen to it and you notice all of those small details. And I wanted that to be a big part of my show. I know everything that's going to happen, and I feel like I am constantly brimming with spoilers because I have all of this information and nobody to tell it to. Well, you know, that's that's a really a great thing because these things are sometimes in, in analysis, they're called forwards. They're little mm -hmm. things you drop in, which make the audience want to keep listening, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, I, I love putting a little forward into a piece, and you mm -hmm. got to know what that's going to be, though, before you can, you can do that, but that's how you hook your audience to keep them going. So anyway, I'm sorry. Um, so you've been you've written the whole thing out yeah i've written the whole thing out and just i what you just said i absolutely agree with i took a basically what i did is i i did the seven day free trial of skillshare and i took 17 classes during those seven days i listened to one about building suspense and something that this person had brought up was sort of the idea of the turntable of suspense where you have one mystery happening and then just as it's about to solve there's the seeds for another mystery happening and that's sort of how like when you watch a really well-written mystery you can tell like you want to keep going like you can't put the book down you can't stop watching the show like that's I'm not going for like intense mystery here because it's not that kind of show, but it can still apply to other genres other than like crime or like uh, detective mystery. Like this is suspense still applies. There is some of that in Love's Letters Lost. 
you'll notice at the end that Jam references a wedding, and this is something that will come up. Um, yeah, and I I did want to ask since the name of the the, the episode is as Love's Letters Lost, and of course there's the Shakespeare play Love's Labors Lost, which yes, which, at the end <laughs> of which the uh, the king dies, and the the protagonists are supposed to get married, but they put off their wedding for a year, and mm-hmm. it kind of, and I was like, hmm, I wonder is was that an intentional reference or was that just a a convenient happenstance? We will see. We will oh, see. Okay. All right. Giving you some turnstile of suspense of your very own. Excellent. As of this recording, you've had four episodes out. Um, yes. You know, one of the things I wanted, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk with you, not only because I thought your premise was interesting and your perspective too, oh, um, was, well, well, it's because we launched within a week of each other, you know, with our own mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm new to this whole thing myself too. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you're, you're a few episodes in now. How's it going? I think it's going great. I did not expect anybody to listen to my show. And the fact that people are has kind of blown me away a little bit. I thought I would get my mom and my grandparents and uh, maybe a friend or two to listen. But the fact that like people are listening and tweeting me about it on Twitter is astounding. Like I, I cannot explain the amount of serotonin that has come into my body <laughs> after. Uh, there's one person on Twitter. I don't. They they run another podcast, the Arcadia California podcast, but they like did a fan thread for for one of the episodes of Love's Letters Lost, and I was shook. I could not believe that somebody would put the effort to like not only say something nice about my show on Twitter, but to go like almost live blog it, and that was unbelievable for me. That's fantastic! Um, it, it does feel good, doesn't it? it oh my god, <laughs> it feels it feels amazing, uh, and my. On a more personal note, my my grandparents also listen and they can't really figure out the podcasting thing. So they asked me to email it to them and then they write like a nice little book review of it. And that like makes my whole week like my grandparents are incredible. They they send you a book report. Yeah, they're like, oh, here's what I thought. I I did love the way that the characters were able to communicate through space. I thought the imagery was wonderful. I love you dearly. But yeah, they're very sweet. I have a very supportive family. What do you struggle with in your creative process and in the writing? I struggle a lot with dialogue. I always feel like when I'm writing it, it just sounds so unnatural and like I'm just like putting exposition into people's mouths. And I struggle a lot to I try to write it and then maybe come back to it a couple of days later and try and see. Um, but dialogue is a big thing that I struggle with. And I've I've been hoping to improve it. There were not as many Skillshare classes as I would like on the topic. Right. It's tough, right? Because you want to communicate certain information to the audience, right? They, mm-hmm. The audience needs to know some things, but at the same time, you don't want to say, well, as you know, Bob, I have <laughs> been, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, the cursed as you know. Right. Or just stuff yeah. like that. You know, you've got to, it's, it is tricky, but I, I enjoyed the little back and forth repartee in uh, an upgrade between Jam and, I'm sorry, the other character. Uh, uh, Quill? Quill, yes. Um, I present Mercurian Snacks. <gasps> Yay! It's uh, called Toothpaste. <laughs> Apparently it's a sweet peppy colombon dish served early in the morning and late at night. Here, try some. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. It's traditionally mint flavored and Mercurian lore suggests consuming it often will lead to more smiles and sweet words. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
What did you say it was called? Toothpaste? Toothpaste. Damn it, Quill. This is toothpaste. <laughs> How do you measure success? Generally, like, the, since this is not me trying to become popular or like get ad money or anything like that it's mostly just like how how am i feeling about it i i have re-listened to love's letters lost a couple times there was one time where i was laying in bed and i had remembered something and i i just wanted to re-listen to love's letters lost and that was a sign of success for me because if i'm my main purpose for writing an audio drama is to write something that i would enjoy as a listener and i i did enjoy it as a listener so that's kind of my main metric for success there i also also do spend a lot of time looking at the analytics from Red Circle because I am at my heart an engineer. I go to an engineer in college and I want to look at the numbers. Um, so that's fun to look at. Like during on launch day, do you constantly refresh your totals oh, to see? Absolutely. Absolutely I do. Do you have any advice for people who maybe want to get into audio drama? Make an audio drama that you would want to listen to. Hmm. Because yeah. like that's, for one thing, a lot of reason why people write fan fiction is because they're like, well, I, I wanted to see these characters do this and they never wanted to. And then when you're like looking for a specific thing that you want to read, you're like, oh, I wish there was this, but it doesn't exist. It's like, well, we have the power to make it exist. Uh, maybe you can't enjoy it as a new listener, but you can enjoy it as somebody who's created it and can now listen to these stories. So don't worry about what other people want. Make something that you want. And I'm sure that there are other people that want to listen to that as well. That's great. What's next for you? Uh, Asi aside from graduation, I imagine. Aside from graduation, I'm just excited to keep going with the podcast. I, When I was doing my research, I collected a lot of information because there aren't a lot of resources like there are a lot of smaller resources out there for creating audio dramas and I, I read a couple books on podcasting and those weren't super helpful because a lot of them were like how do you get people to interview and how do you get sponsored by a major network and those interesting but not something that really applied to me so I have I've collected a large amount of information about creating audio dramas specifically fiction podcasts specifically and I don't know maybe I'll do something with that maybe I'll write a book or something and I guess I do have to graduate college still. So fingers crossed on that one. Solar Postal Services distinguishes itself by representing, through its characters, voices and perspectives that are often missing in the mainstream. But it also distinguishes itself by mixing humor with poetic images. It's science fiction that isn't afraid to blend in a little fantasy to create mood or paint a picture. Though often silly, it may surprise you as the story unfolds. You can find Solar Postal Services on most major podcast platforms, or see our show notes for links to their webpage. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. The show's webpage is thefirstepisodeof.com. If you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, send an email to thefirstepisodeof at gmail.com. 
If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. Until next time.